This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and the Packers lost on Monday night to the New York Giants. This isn't just any New York Giants team. This is honestly one of the worst teams the Packers have faced all season. This Giants team is playing with a backup, undrafted rookie quarterback. The Giants offensive line is terrible. They've allowed the highest sack rate in the, in the NFL. This Giants offense should have done literally nothing. And yet the Packers defense gave up 24 points in this game. And it started with our pass rush. Like I said, this is the easiest team to sack in the NFL. The Packers had zero sacks, zero negative plays against a terrible offensive line. And that's because we have zero plus pass rushers other than Rashawn Gary. That's the truth. If Gary does not have an epic game, there's nobody else to help with the pass rush uh, consistently, you can't just have one elite pass rusher. That's not enough. You can game plan against one guy. It's when you have an elite guy and one or two other difference makers. But we don't have that. We have Kenny Clark, who shows up twice this season, has monstrous games when he does. We have Preston Smith, who shows up once a year, and then a bunch of guys. Devontae Wyatt is actually having a good season as a pass rusher. I need to give him more credit than I do. In this game, he was actually very good, but he just couldn't clean up or he didn't have anybody else to help him clean up the pressure he was getting. Uh, on DeVito to get him on the ground in the backfield. But we need consistent threats on the defensive line who can make plays. Look at the, the best defenses in the NFL, the 49ers, the Browns, and the Cowboys. They have elite pass rushes. They have at least one guy who is elite. 49ers have Nick Bosa, Browns have Miles Garrett, Cowboys have Micah Parsons. Then they have at least one other guy that um, the 49ers have Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. The Browns have Zadarius Smith. The Cowboys have Demarcus Lawrence and Osa Odegazua. The Packers don't have that elite guy. Rashawn Gary is not that elite guy. He's really good, but he's not one of these top-tier pass rushers. And then we don't have the complementary pieces. And if we don't have an elite guy, we're going to need four guys who are all in that good tier of pass rushers so that two are on a game, uh, two are on one game, and two are off one game. And together, all four of them can make a significant difference as a group, as a pass rush. We currently are basically paying though, when it comes to cap hits, the type of guys the 49ers have, but we're paying them the exact same, yet they don't perform to that level. Let me explain. Kenny Clark makes about $32 million a year over the next two years on our cap hit, okay, which is higher than any other pass rusher in the NFL. So we're basically, he's playing on the next two years, basically like he's an elite pass rusher, like he's Aaron Donald, and he's not. And then we're paying Preston Smith like $18 million a year over the next three years, which means he should be having Eric Armstead type of production, and he's nowhere close to that. Brian Gutekinds has decided to pay these guys like they are the real deal, and they're not even close to that. Why is the Packers' defense not that good? Well, here's a big reason. You are paying big money to two players who don't have the type of production to deserve that type of money, and it's hampering our whole team financially. You're expecting these two guys who are getting paid a buttload to have to help your pass rush, and they're not. The Packers should have gotten out of 
those contracts at the trade on deadline. They should have had, they should have, and it would have been the smartest long-term move this team could have done because these two players are getting older. They have not struggled with injury. They're in their prime prime age, yet there's no prime results. There were teams out there looking for passers help. The Packers could have gotten the Seahawks second round pick for Kenny Clark. Right now, the Seahawks aren't even in the playoffs. That's a top 50 pick you could have had. The Jaguars, Jaguars would kill for another edge rusher and might have even given up a third round pick for him. Because of that, um, <clears throat> because Preston Smith, days before the trade deadline, had his game against the Vikings, which was probably the best game of his career. Okay? And the Jaguars were 6-2 and two at that point. They were buyers looking for a pass rusher. These two are being overpaid. And we should have ditched those contracts while we had the chance, got their money off the books for the future, gotten a top 50 pick, a top 100 pick in the process. There's some special players in this draft class that I love and I think could make an incredible difference for this Packers offense. If the Packers had the ammunition to trade up for a true number one wide receiver like Romeo Dunze, if he falls into the pick 12 range, um, you can do that when you make these types of trades. If you uh, want a elite slot cornerback in the second round, I think Quinion Mitchell can be that guy. Um, <clears throat> but you might need to trade up to get him because I think he's going to go early. Then there's you need probably three starters on your offensive line. Center, right guard, left tackle. Okay, if Bakhtari doesn't come back, which means we're going to need a huge insurgent of talent. We still are looking for two safeties. I just mentioned potentially eight players we need quality play from in year one. And if you're asking that from year one players, you're going to need them to be top 100 picks. And right now we have five top 100 picks and this could have gotten us to seven. So there's a huge personnel issue here with our defense, but also just there's just how is this, how is this defense being run? This Packers defense for weeks, okay, for weeks has been getting lucky over and over again. On a drive-to-drive basis, this team allows points so often, even though if those points are not turning into touchdowns the last few weeks. But there's no reason we should have been in this game. We allow another 200-plus yard rushing performance. All we had to do was stop the run in this game, and Joe Barry continues to play this prevent defense, even though we're going against a QB who literally can't throw down the field. Then Joe Barry is literally gifted this chance to redeem himself because Saquon Barkley fumbles the ball all by himself. No one touches him and the Packers get the ball, take the lead. But Joe Barry is playing like he can't give up a touchdown with his corners 15 yards off the line of scrimmage when the Giants are down two points or one point, whatever it was. <clears throat> and they only need a field goal to win. Okay. And the Giants just move the ball down the field like it's nothing because we're playing so far off. Then finally, Joe Barry tightens up. Keyshawn Nixon gives up the big play. Keyshawn Nixon is a returner only. I still don't understand why he's still our starting slot cornerback. We had no other backup plan. He's not good at all at defense. He's had a whole season to prove otherwise. He's got lucky once against the Chiefs, but he gives up the big play to put the Giants in field goal position and the Packers lose that game. Keyshawn Nixon, he's a good returner, but he's not a smart one. We're paying a returner $5 million a year, a guy who makes faulty decisions a lot, did again in this game with a huge turnover because he has this huge desire to make a big play and fumbles the return and then tries to pick it up and then fumbles it again and the Giants get the ball. Terrible special teams mistake. Keyshawn Nixon cannot be resigned except for the veteran minimum. Minimum, I 100% believe that. You can find undrafted free agents who are really good returners and that's that important to you. They can take up a whole roster spot just as a returner, just as a gunner. You do not need to waste $5 million on Keyshawn Nixon. Anyways, Joel Barry had a big part to play in losing this game. Okay? Because if you think about the good things, quote-unquote good things that happened on defense, 
they weren't because of Joe Barry. Joe Barry didn't cause the Saquon fumble. Joe Barry didn't cause the missed field goal. The pre-snap penalties from the Giants that ended drives for the Giants were, weren't because of Joe Barry. Joe Barry is a huge part of the reason this defense is not playing well. Joe Barry has allowed the most 200-yard rush games in a single season since 1983, and the season isn't even over yet. We are letting bad teams run all over us like the Giants on Monday. That's not okay. That's poor coaching to a point, really, and a consistent theme for the Packers for years now. And this Packers team is still somehow in line to make the playoffs right now with all of the tiebreakers. But if they end up making the playoffs, they're going to play the 49ers. They're, they're going to play the Eagles. And the Packers will not stand a chance in a game like that because our defense will allow 200-plus yards in that game and uh, rushing on the ground. And honestly, I won't be mad if that happens because then Matt LaFleur will finally have the balls to fire Joe Barry and make some real changes on this defense, hire a new defense coordinator because there's going to be some real talented guys out there to hire, like Jim Leonard, like Brain Staley, like Todd Bowles, those are just some off the top of my head. And I'm sure there's a lot of more good candidates. And it's not just Joe Barry who sh- sh- should honestly be fired based off what we've seen so far this season. But it might be Rich Masaccia too. Our special teams is one of the worst in the NFL, at least when it comes to penalties. We are penalized more than any other team in the NFL on special teams plays. And maybe part of that, it's a very young team, not a lot of veterans. So they're going to make more mistakes. But... You are paying Rich Bisacci as one of the top special teams coaches in the NFL, and yet you have one of the worst, most penalized units in the NFL. If you're getting paid that much, I want results, and I am not seeing him them. Not that I have someone else in mind. I don't, I don't think special teams coaches is this widely known, understood thing out there, but I have to imagine if you do your research, there is a special teams coach who is doing incredible things in college football, something like that for the last five years. And if that's the case, go and get that guy because Rich is not doing that for the Packers. Notre Dame, for example, I just looked, it took me a minute. Notre Dame has had a top 10 special teams unit for the last three years. That's consistency, especially that's like 200 schools you're talking about. Okay. With so many college teams to compete with, not just 32 teams, top 10 out of like 200. Go get that guy. There's better guys than Rich based off what I am seeing in the matter of minutes. Okay. So, I am not, I think the Packers can save money. And as a shareholder, I'm saying save some money because I am not seeing the results I want to see. Offensively, we knew our interior offensive line against a guy like Dexter Lawrence was going to be a problem. And it certainly was. Elkin Jenkins and Josh Myers both gave up five pressures in this game, mostly due to Dexter Dexter Lawrence's presence. We need to upgrade our interior offensive line. We cannot be giving up this type of pressure to just one player on the interior. Um, like we talked about earlier with uh, all the spots we are going to need to fill this offseason. And then the biggest factor in this game was probably seeing a different Jordan Love out there. He was just not playing at the same level of play as he has been the last few weeks. He had easy misses consistently throughout this game. He was just off. And this offense doesn't work if he's not making the easy throws. And he couldn't do that in this game. Uh, Looking at the film, okay, it did seem like the wind was stronger than it seemed like watching it live. Okay. It's, it's really, really hard to tell. I'm, you're not there. I'm not there, but it seems like it, when you see the all 22, you can see the ball actually be pushed by the w- wind compared to just watching it live. It was like, he keeps missing and you should be able to fight through that. You should have the arm strength to get through that or adjust. And so there is a chance Part of this was a lot of this was due to the wind. We can't know for sure, but I was worried what this offense would look like without Christian Watson. And it looked like it did before Christian Watson, 
played at his best the last two weeks, and it really details. Um, I'm concerned what Jordan Love is, and we'll see this week when we get hopefully better weather to support Jordan Love. But I'm worried Jordan Love is a supporting cast quarterback. Okay, uh, and I say that because we saw Jordan Love have two incredible games, but Christian Watson also had two incredible games at the exact same time. And if when Christian Watson didn't have incredible games, he played okay to solid the rest of the year. Okay. Um, and I just don't know if what we're seeing from him right now is that he lifts up average players that have a great offense. Okay. It seems like he needs at least one guy like Christian Watson has been the last two weeks before this giants game to kind of show up, be elite. And that kind of takes Jordan love over the top. Okay. And, uh, and so I just, you know, I, I, I don't know if Jordan Love needs a number one wide receiver, but we need to find him one to make those great games like happen, like the ones we saw the last two weeks happen more consistently. Of course we would want that, okay? And so maybe that's the direction we need to go in this year's draft. I'm not sure, okay? If someone becomes available that you're like, whoa, we cannot pass up this opportunity because I want Christian Watson to be our number one wide receiver, but I don't know if he is reliable enough with the amount of injuries he faces. And there is some things, you know, there are some other things from Jordan Love. And it's just once a game, but it's about five games in a row. But Jordan Love leads the offense, enemy territory, and then we're in field goal range and he takes a huge sack. Sometimes that takes the Packers out of field goal range or it just makes it a more difficult kick. And that's what happened in this game on Monday. Jordan Love took the sack, loses 10 yards, makes a 35-yard kick into a 45-yarder. Carlson misses it. And he should make that kick, but he's young. It's windy. And you can't make that kick any harder than it has to be. And Jordan Love did that again on Sunday. Just a big mistake that he consistently makes time and time again, about five weeks in a row, honestly. And this is why you probably can't pay Jordan Love right now $50 million a year, okay? He's not that guy. You need financial flexibility to get him weapons consistently around him. This is why you need to find a way to give him the mid-tier quarterback contract if you're going to sign him long-term deal um, now. Um, and now that Christian Watson is out with injury, depending on the length of the injury, I think it should be it would be wise for the Packers to hold out for a majority of the rest of the season, see how he finishes out with Christian Watson, maybe not as available moving forward. Um, and if we can continue to see improvements, and then we can start to have conversations with Jordan Love to be like, hey, when Christian Watson was at his best, you were at your best. We know what you're capable. If we can surround you with talent, let us surround you with talent and let's find a contract that makes sense. So we can build a Super Bowl roster around you. Kind of like what Patrick Mahomes did, but obviously at a way lower extent, uh, lower tier because Jordan Love is not Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then finally, I think one big reason why I thought the Packers lost this game on Sunday was rest. Uh, we talked about this a ton last offseason, but looking back at the 2022 schedule, it made sense why the Packers lost so many games that you thought they had no reason of losing because consistently the other team would have a day or two extra to prepare just the way the schedule worked or they had buys consistently before they played the Packers. The Chiefs are a great example of that happening this year. They lost to the Packers by one, just by one score, but we had an extra three days of rest to win that game and play at home. Uh, and the Chiefs have had that a ton this year. And that's why I think their record is a little lopsided compared to how they are overall as a team. 
This game, the Giants had the bye the week before, so they had 15 days to prepare for this game, and they got to play at home, while the Packers had to travel to play in New York. They had a whole week extra to prepare for this game, and just schematically, we were overmatched at times because of it, and major guys for the Giants were able to be healthy and playing out there, and if we had two weeks off, we probably could have had a couple other major players ready to play as well. That's just the reality. Rest is one of the most important indicators when it comes to who's going to win these games. Look at the season for the Packers. The games the Packers had Packers opponents had a significant rest advantage was the Steelers and Giants. And the Packers lost both of those games because they got to play at home after a long rest. And we had the rest advantage against the Saints, Chargers, and Chiefs. And we won all of those games. And uh, when, honestly, we weren't expected to beat the Chargers or the Chiefs. So when one team has a serious rest advantage over the other, and especially when that rest advantage, the other team has to travel, it usually does not end well for that team. Rest plays a big role for health, for preparation, and the Packers had the disadvantage in this game, and it showed up on the field in this game. And the same could be said about this game on Sunday. The Packers played Monday night, so they only have six days to prepare for this game, but they will be able to play this game at home. I actually thought originally this was going to be in Tampa Bay, um, and the uh, this is going to be a tough game though, because the bucks, they have that extra day, but they do have to travel to the cold, which is a big change for, uh, a team down in Florida. The bucks though are, this is a truly very important playoff game for them. They're in a three-way tie to win their division right now. And they are tied with the Packers as well. So if they somehow lose the division, this head to head matchup could play a big factor if they make the playoffs as a wild card team. So this game is uh, has everything on the line for Tampa Bay, similar to the Packers in this game as well. The Packers are now in the seven seed slot for the playoffs and they cannot risk losing any more games or they will be on the outside looking in and just miss out on the making the playoffs as well. So this is a huge game with a lot of meaning. Some things I will be watching for on Sunday, I think that could play a huge role is firstly, just the health of our team. The Bucks have struggled to run the ball in general, but over the last few weeks, they have really established a ground game, and we just saw how Joe Barry, against a much less talented offense, gave up over 200 yards on the ground to the Giants last week. Uh, and so if we cannot stop the run, we will not stand a chance in this game. And it looks like uh, Koi Walker has returned to practice. He's going to be questionable for this game. Our best run de- uh, defending interior def- defensive lineman, TJ Slayton, is also dealing with an injury. So... How well um, the Bucs can run the football against our defense will be a huge key in this game, mostly dependent probably on the health of a guy like Quay Walker, um, kind of a, a very stable force in the middle of our defense. It's kind of the Packers' Devin White. So the other big thing will be this is the best duo receiver the Packers have faced in a very long time in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and our corners right now are not good. They are young. Nixon is a liability. Valentine is bad and Valentine is promising, but he also has a lot of mistakes as well. If these two guys come out healthy, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who are dealing with their own little injuries, they could really do some damage through the air for this offense. I think the, uh, but there is a chance Jay Alexander could play in this game. He is practicing today. There is a chance Eric Stokes comes back off of the, uh, pup list or not the pup list, uh, the injured reserve. So, he might play as well. So there is a chance Packers could be fine there, but we'll see. Um, again, just it's so much due to health at this time of year. I think the one thing our defense could have uh, going for us in this game will be to get interior pressure on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a shorter quarterback, so if we can get pressure up the middle, that could be a real hindrance to his ability to be accurate throwing the football. We've seen breakout games from Kenny Clark, Carl Brooks, Devontae Wyatt. 
if we can get two of those three guys to have some five pressure types of games against a weak center and right guard combo and Robert Hainsey and rookie Cody Mock, I think the Packers could make Mayfield make some big mistakes. And Mayfield, like most quarterbacks, is going to struggle under pressure. His height can make that a real issue when it comes uh, to pressure from the interior. But do not blitz this guy, okay? There is no need to. Mayfield has thrived all season, recognizing the blitz, getting the ball out quick. Don't even give him that opportunity. This should be a dream come true scenario for Joe Barry. So do your thing, but be better at stopping run, be more committed to it, and drop back in coverage, and we'll have a chance in this game. If we could get a healthy Jair Stokes or Stokes back in the lineup, lineup Quay Walker plays, TJ Slayton plays, I really think um, we could have more success than uh, at first glance against this Bucks offense. Offensively, how are we going to attack this Bucks defense? It's going to be tough because it looks like both um, Wicks and Watson will be questionable for this game. Uh, Watson actually is most likely going to be out. He is still not practicing today, and it is Thursday, and Dontavian Wicks is practicing today, but I don't know. That ankle sprain, how good is he going to be? Is he going to be healthy enough to be better than Malik Keith? I doubt it, um, but... Um, then there's also a couple other major pieces. Um, so we're probably going to be out without those two receivers. AJ Dillon is still not practicing and Aaron Jones, uh, though is practicing on Thursday. So there's a lot of possible missing pieces offensively. It's a short week to prepare just six days of rest for Matt LaFleur. Last week, the Packers tried to jet sweep with someone like 10 times and it was way too much. Matt LaFleur was coming off some incredible performances. I wasn't as impressed last week, uh, but it did make it hard that Jordan Love missed a lot of easy throws that ended a lot of drives. It's hard to break up the big plays if Love is messing up all the easy five-yard wins last week that lead to first downs. So look for Jordan to bounce back. I can't imagine they will have to deal with as windy of a game as they had last week, but it's going to be probably Dobbs, Reed, and Heath as your starters, which will make this game very interesting for sure. They're going to need to find a way to stretch the field because if we can't, then we're going to have to dink and dunk all the way down the field, and relying on that type of offense is just so difficult because any mistake can pretty much end your drive. A holding a false start, a drop. So if Vita Vea, Devin White, Will Golson are all unable to play in this game, which they're all going to be questionable, it looks like, or maybe even out, um, just out, just totally out, um, especially those first two, uh, Vita Vea and Devin White, the Packers have to commit to running the football in this game. This defensive line for the Bucks relies on Vita Vea to take up multiple guys in the ground game, and Devin White is their heat-seeking missile in run defense. If those two guys are out for this game, the Packers, even though they've struggled to consistently run the football efficiently, they have to pound the football in this game. This can open up the play-action game in the two wins against Detroit and the Chiefs, our best games of the year. The Packers' offense was so good because we utilized the play-action game. Only 22% of their passes were play-action against the Giants because of the fear of that blitz. But that shouldn't be an issue in this game against the Bucs. And hopefully, we can establish the run Go back to averaging around 40% of our passes being play action, twice as many as last week. If we can do that, I think our whole offense is going to be a lot more efficient. But to do this well, we need to mix in the play action on both first and second out as well, not just run the football in early downs. That's where this way of running your offense starts to become a little bit less efficient when you're uh, running the football so much and only using play action like third down, basically. That doesn't work. Also, we got to watch out for Antoine Winfield Jr. He's having an all-pro type season. He can make plays all over the field. We cannot let him cause a big play that would lead to a turnover because whoever wins the turnover battle will probably win this game the way these two teams are matched up currently. To me, this game, very similar to last week, a close one-score game. The injuries for the Packers concerns me. Who is going to be out there? 
that will play a significant role in who wins this game. Jordan Love will have to play significantly better than last week if we stand a chance of winning this game because we had some lucky breaks last week against the Giants and we still lost that game. I believe this Bucks team is a better overall team than the team we played last week. There's a lot of reason why reasons why the Packers should not win this game, but I'm hoping for a close game. I know we don't have the rest advantage, but playing at home with A.J. Dillon, oh, he might not even play, but against a team that probably is going to be without Vita Vey and Devin White, I think we can win this one 23-20, but it's going to be very, very close, one-score game, and it'll be something to watch on Sunday at noon for those Central Time Packers people and one for me here on the East Coast. So that's all we have today, folks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.